0: Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned, as together we will study God's Word. Let's take a moment. God is here, and we are here, and on our own we can't do this. So just take a moment to yourself as you stand there, just to confess to God, maybe we need to confess. Maybe it's a praise to God, maybe it's an ask. Take a moment, this is your time with Him. Lord, we thank you that we are not alone and that regardless of where life takes us, Lord, that there is a way that with you can be found. So teach us now, Lord. Grow us uh, in our gratitude today, in our awe, in our dependence on you, and then lead us, Lord, in your way. And we thank you, and we're so grateful. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Maybe may be seated good morning, folks. I'm Brian Wren, your Transition Lead Pastor, and it's delightful to see all of you in-house today and those who are online today. Uh, We're just so grateful that we can do this uh, in the midst of this COVID season of life. It's just good to be together, and let us not uh, take that for granted. We're in a new series called Finding the Way. There's a lot behind three words there. Sometimes it's hard to find our way. You ever feel lost? <laughs> I mean, it can be directionally lost. It can be uh, actually physically lost, maybe because of where you are uh, with what's going on with your body, or maybe it's emotionally lost in the moment. Maybe you've got a decision to make. Maybe you're in the midst of a crisis. Uh, maybe you're just wondering, God, which way should I go? What we're hoping in this series is to revive that there is this way that God has for us. It's found in his truth. And that at any given moment, if we seek the word of God, we can find God there and he will actually help us find the way. It's interesting when you think of the concept of this phrase, the way, it means a lot in our Christian realm. Have you ever heard of the group called the way? Ever heard of the group called the way? I'm not talking about a rock band, Okay. I'm not talking like a country, you know, duo, The Way, all right? I'm talking about a group of people prior to when they were called Christians. If I took you into the book of Acts chapter 9 verse 2, you would see that our friend Paul was actually wanting the names of the followers of The Way. And he was looking to then persecute them. If I took you further into Acts 19, you could see that the early Christians, prior to be calling Christians, were called followers of what? The way. Isn't it interesting why they would be called that? Why would they be called the way? Well, let's go back to their leader, Jesus. Remember what he said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so they were known as followers of the way. Hence, so are we, even in this day and age. And what I love, when I look at the early followers of the way, I see three words that uh, just flow from them. And they're actually the goal of our series. I actually just don't hope you grow in knowledge during this series. I hope you grow in these three words. Gratitude, you'll see them on the screen. Awe, and Independence. Because in the end, I don't even think we get to dependence or get to following the way unless what? We actually first start with gratitude, and then there's this awe of, ah, there's something greater than myself. Ah, your word is amazing. As you heard Mike and Gabby share today, two different places, but having a lot of gratitude for who God is, and then some awe that this ancient text could actually help me find the way in my life today. That's either truth or fiction. And the reality is I think there's so many of us, we know it's truth that God can help. So just take a moment right now. If you were to rank yourself, gratitude, awe, and dependence. Which one's high? Which one's low? Which one do you want the most? When you walked in, I hope you got this psalm slice. That's what we're calling these throughout the summer. You're going to walk in every Sunday. You're going to get a slice of the psalms. If you haven't gotten one, get up right now or raise your hand and we'll get you one. Because there's three words on this slice of the psalms at the top. Gratitude, awe, and dependence. And I want you just to circle one right now. Circle which which word matters to you. Maybe it's, I'm in high gratitude, or I want awe, or what is this dependence? But just circle one of those words that is intriguing to you right now. Go ahead and do that. Is it gratitude? Is it awe or dependence? Here's what I find. Those early folks that were called the followers of the way, they, in essence, were descendants of previous people who had followed the way of God. And it goes all the way back to the Old Testament thousands of years ago. And what was amazing, there was an author who we're not sure who it was, penned this psalm that we're going through throughout the summer, Psalm 119. Some say it was David. Others say it was the priest Ezra. In the end, this is what I know. That person who wrote this psalm, as we read through it, had those three words built into them. They had this great gratitude of God's goodness. They were in awe of God's word and they had this dependence, this dependent relationship on God that they wanted to continue and sustain. And so as we walk through this psalm, I want you to always see that. There's times I'm going to point that out. Do you see the gratitude right here? Do you see the awe? Do you see the dependence playing out? This psalm is wild. It is the Mount Everest of psalms. It's the longest Psalm, it's 176 verses. It's the largest chapter in the entire Bible. And then it's written in a poetic way. Is anybody into poetry? Raise your hand if you love poetry. I'm not. (laughs) And this takes me almost back to 10th grade where I had to study poetry in this class and I'd be like, what's the answer? There's a lot of words, but what's the answer here? And it's written in this form that is an acrostic, where there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and what's wild in 176 verses, there's 22 sections, and it laid out as the alphabet in Hebrew. And then in each section, if you just start with the first section, Aleph, that's how they'd say it in Hebrew. Every verse in there starts with that same letter. So it was memorable. If it was written by David, some say this is how Solomon, his son, was taught the alphabet. Remember, not everybody had access to the actual text. They couldn't hold it. So this whole thing was sung and easily memorized because of how it followed the Hebrew alphabet. There's a place in Ecclesiastics it's the exact same way. So it is beautiful, it is a work of art. Imagine, just go try to write a letter to somebody today that's full of the American alphabet, okay, the Eng- American, English alphabet, all right? The English alphabet, and then start with A and then start every line with A and then continue on with B and do it with B. That's impossible and glorious that God would use in that way so we could remember today. As we go through this psalm, I want you to know we're going to endlessly ask two questions. What is God, or what does this say about God? And so what does this mean for me? And right now I want to give you a moment to meditate on this psalm slice because as we do this throughout the summer, I give the text to you before I declare what I think God is saying to all of us. And the beautiful part is some of that will match and some of that will mend in And this is where God's word speaks. So would you take five minutes right now in silence, it'll be hard for some of us, and do the following. Read through it one to three times. Circle the words that stand out. See if you can find like a word search, the word of the day, almost like Wordle. Underline phrases and then answer the questions. What does this say about God after the first eight verses, and then when you do the next eight, what does this say about God, and what does this mean for me? This is your time. Go ahead. Our big idea for today in this psalm is the following. Finding a way involves a humble heart before God in his word. I don't know if you saw that in there, but we'll, we'll get to it as we drive through it. And we're in that third section of Psalm 119, verses 17 to 32. And if you think about, I want you to ponder, where are you with a humble heart before God and specifically his word. At what point and in what place is this word elevated in your life? And if you humbly put yourself under it. Look what the psalmist says opening up that shows humility. Be good to your servant while I live. Look on your bookmark here in your Bible. It won't be on the screen. Be good to your servant while I live that I may obey your word. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. The psalmist here, and you can see in these first passages, 17 to 18, is saying, help me, be good to me, open my eyes. But then there is a moment of awe to the wonderful things. There's this high view of the law, of the word of God. It goes on to say, really calling out to say, understand me, God, I'm a stranger on earth, Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at at all times. That word stranger, it's similar to what Peter uses when Peter says we're foreigners on this earth. Does it ever feel like that? That you're a stranger? That you're trying to find your way while following the way, but it seems strange to everybody else? I'm a stranger on this earth. Make it clear to me, God, your commands for me. And then look, the dependence that's shown here. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. Did you hear it from Mike today? There's this longing. Did you hear it from Gabby today? There's this yearning. Where are you with your desire to yearn and long for God's word and his ways? There's a lot of things battling for that, isn't there? Isn't it wild, all the things battling for that? But it's, it's as simple as taking a moment and being like, God, open my eyes. All right, God, I'm back. God, I got caught up in the stranger things in this strange world, and I feel like a stranger. Help me, God, I'm back. Open my eyes. I always say this, God's a moment away, he's a breath away from reengaging with you if we just call out to him. Look what it goes on to say. It's really calling for protection. Lord, you rebuke the arrogant. There's a gratitude coming out of here. Do you see this? Who are, who, who are accursed, Lord, those who stray from your commands. So he's saying there will be judgment here. But then it says, remove from me their scorn, their contempt, for I keep your statues. Do you ever feel like there's contempt or scorn on you for wanting to be about following the way? That's going to be common. That's called persecution, all right? That's natural. It comes with the territory. And God can handle that. Though rulers sit together and slander me, people talking about me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Do you see the willingness to be dependent even when there is persecution? He's calling for protection here. And then the final line in this first stanza, your statues are my delight. They are my counselors. Your statues are my delight. They're my counselors. Good question to ask ourselves Who are your counselors? And is God and His Word the main one? Have you elevated? Have you humbled yourself under it? No matter what way you need to figure out, God can through this. Now, here's an interesting thing to ponder Did you circle a lot of the words that are the same? Look at verse 17, the word word. Look at verse 18, the word law. Look at verse 19, the word commands. Look at verse 20, the word laws. Look at the word 21, commands. Look at 23, the word decrees. Look at 24, statues. Throughout this psalm, you're going to get tired of these words. The psalmist has such a high view of God that there are these synonyms that are endlessly used to come back to it. Because some of the Bible is decrees, Some are statues. Some are actual commands. And so they're just using these different words over and over again. Some are precepts. Look at the next stanza, verse 25. I want you to see here the humility and the desire to follow the way. I hope you saw the redundant use of the word way here. It's key to our teaching today. Again, the psalmist is declaring where they are I'm laid low in the dust, so life is not swell, all right? Life is not going how they hope. They lay low in the dust. And this is what the psalmist is crying out. Lord, nourish me, preserve me, satisfy me, my life according to your word, because my circumstances aren't going how I expected. He even goes on to say, I gave account of my ways, and you answered me. Teach me more of your decrees. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. See those term wonderful again? There's this awe, there's this high view of God's ways. Look at the two uses of the word ways. I gave account of my ways, but Lord, no, 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 no. This is how I usually do it. Lord, I confess this. Lord, help me to do it your way. Lord, help me understand fully your ways. Look at the depth of the humility now, in 28. "My soul is weary in sorrow with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Lord, can keep me from my deceitful ways. I want to go your way, God. I need strength to do that. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. And now we come to the crux of it. And this is where we all have to ponder in verse 30. I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set my heart on your laws. Hear that again. Where are you with that statement? I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I've set my heart on your laws. Mark humility right there. Write humility right there. Put a big heart right there. They have given their heart. They have set their heart. Here's a tough question. What is your heart set on more than God's ways. Only you can answer that. And what the psalmist is telling us is God is yearning for us to just set our heart and commit to His ways. And in that, there's a promise. It doesn't mean it'll all go well. It doesn't mean there won't be trouble. There doesn't mean there won't be pain. But there can be a contentment, there can be a direction, there can come a comfort, because if you go back to the very first passage in this psalm, it says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. And then in verse two, you'll see this on the screen, blessed are those who keep his statues and seek him with all their heart. There's a blessing that comes when we give our whole heart to him. And you know what? It's not a one-time event. Wake up Monday, God, I'm giving my heart back to you. I had held it all day Sunday. It's Tuesday, God, I want your ways more than my ways. It's Wednesday, God, I need to confess these ways to you because I have been operating in your ways. It's Thursday. Oh my gosh, God, I'm seeing some of your ways. I'm in awe. This is coming alive to me, Lord. Lord, give me more of your ways. Oh Lord, I'm low today on Friday, but Lord, satisfy me with your ways. Let me be content in there. Look what the psalmist does in 31 and 32. And it really starts in 33. It declares something. I've chosen your ways. By 31 it says I hold fast to your statues. And then it says in 32, I run in the path of your commands. For you have broadened my understanding. The more and more we align ourselves with his ways, the broader it will get our understanding. Things will start to make sense. The trouble in your life will still be trouble, but you'll get a fresh perspective on it. The pain and hurt in your life will not probably feel less painful, but you will get a perspective on it. He will broaden your ways. Our view as humans is very narrow, and it always comes back to us. But if we allow him to broaden it, it ends up going back to him. There's a simple line in the book of James that says this, humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. In the end, that's what this psalm is saying today. I love when it says it in the Old Testament. I love when it says it in the Gospels. And I love when it says it in the New Testament. Because it just clarifies the same message. So as you go today, I have some questions for you to consider. I'm going to ask the band to come up now as we go to our last song. this song really speaks to letting God be the king of our heart, hence the title. But look at these two questions how high is your view of God in His Word? How high is it? Is it higher than all other ways? And I don't say that condemn, I say that to challenge. And like Gabby said, lean into it. And like Mike said, I've been trying to do it since 45. How high is your view of God? And then right now, I want you to circle the word that matters to you the most on your card again. Are you filled more with gratitude right now, awe, or a yearning for dependence? Would you circle that word or write it down? Are you filled with gratitude for God more, an awe for his word, or greater dependence? Pick one and let us pray. Lord, we thank you that there's a way out, that there's a better way, that you are the way. And Lord, we thank you that regardless, your truth can guide us. Lord, I ask that for this summer, you would help us yearn, put before us, and run to your word, God, so that we see things we've never seen before, Lord, and our dependence with you grows. So lead us now and help us sing this song as a confession and as a desire as we move forward in our week today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for tuning into our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at werpcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for WeRPCC.